sometimes doesn't look all that great, but is something that we can use in our lives every single day. And so in looking at this series, and we've been in this series for, I think, six weeks now, um, I thought you can't go through a series on faith without talking about Moses, right? I mean, Moses is a man of faith. So Moses has to be in the conversation if we're going to have the conversation about faith. And so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 4 this morning. Um, We're going to start in verse 1. And I will uh, read out loud. You can follow along on our giant um, Bible screens if you don't have your Bible. This is what it says. Then Moses answered and said, this is talking to God. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, it's a rod. And God said, he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. And that they may believe that the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Now, the context of this story, as many of us have read it or have heard of this story before, Moses is living on the far side of a desert um, called um, Midian. Um, He's lived there for a while now. He ran away from his home, which is in Egypt, where he was the stepson of the Pharaoh's daughter, um, who is the most powerful person in all of Egypt, the king of Egypt. So he's, he was the privileged stepson of Pharaoh's daughter. Now he's ran away to the desert and God's voice has now summoned him out of a burning bush. You've probably heard this story before of the burning bush. And this bush it is on fire, but it will not burn up. And looking just at that story, I really believe that that's a great picture image of the life of somebody who lives healthy faith. That in your life, the, the bush, it, it, it burns, but it doesn't burn up. It's on fire. You have a life that is on fire for the Lord and fire because of the faith that's in your life, but it doesn't burn up because there's so many times where we end up just burning ourselves up or burning ourselves out because of something that's going on in our life. And if you have healthy faith, you will, you will light up and you will catch fire, but you will not burn out. So Moses is talking to God and actually sort of negotiating with him. And I really want to focus on verse 4 where it says, then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Now, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what happened last night or last week or last month or what information that you're trying to process in your life. I don't know what you're dealing with, but what I do know is that God wants to tell somebody this morning and probably multiple people this morning that it's time that we reach out and we take whatever thing that we've been looking at And we handle it and we take it and we believe that when God tells you to take a hold of something, see in this story, it's a serpent. Moses is afraid of the serpent and he's looking at the serpent that God has said, you need to take this and he grabs it and it becomes exactly what he needs to do what he's supposed to do in his life. So that's sort of what we're going to be going through. That's the context of the story. But before we get into that, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. 
God, I thank you that you have a word for every single one of us, Lord, that you brought us here this morning, and I pray that our hearts will be open to what you would like to say. Lord, I pray that this would be applicable to all of us, Lord, that we would see how you are speaking and weaving this message and your word into our lives. Lord, that we would leave here different than we came. Lord, that we'd leave strengthened, that we'd leave encouraged, we'd leave knowing that you know our situation, that you know our circumstance, and that you want to make a difference in our lives and through our lives. So we believe these things in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So um, go ahead and show that picture. Does anyone remember what this is from? Now, if you're under the age of 20, you probably have no clue or saying that's a really weird looking volleyball. Um, all of our high schoolers, you probably don't have any clue what that is, right? Or do you guys know? No? Yeah? No? Okay. They don't watch TV. You, you know what it is? Okay. Well, I do too. Um, this is from a movie with, uh, with Tom Hanks, and he's on an island as a castaway. And he's there for so long that his only friend in life at this point, is a volleyball. Keep that up for just a minute. So he's friends with this volleyball, and the volleyball has a name, and the name is Wilson. And what really amazed me about this movie was that you actually bond with a volleyball in the movie. I mean, it's amazing that when you think of this movie, and you think of who's in the cast of the movie, you think Tom Hanks, but you also think... Wilson, like you actually have feelings and and a connection with a volleyball in the movie. And it just blows me away that that can happen. But it's interesting. And I believe that in life, it's very easy for us to become attached to inanimate objects, right? I mean, it happens all the time where they almost become lifelike to us. Like we need them in our lives. Exhibit A, right? I mean, this is... An inanimate object that, for whatever reason, it almost feels lifelike to me. I mean, there was a time this was used for phone calls. Remember that? Now, like, we'll check your vital organs and make sure you're alive. And and it's amazing. In Exodus 4, Moses, he doesn't have an iPhone. He doesn't have a smartphone. But what he does have is a staff. And it's cool to look through the story because Moses, he's talking to God, but you can also see um, that Moses is starting to get to know God, but also get to know his staff. And I wonder, looking throughout Moses' life, he becomes so attached to this staff, and you see it throughout all of the miracles that he does, or most of the miracles he does. I wonder how attached Moses got to his staff. I wonder if he was as attached to his staff as many of us are to our phones, where if he lost his staff or if he misplaced it, if he started having a panic attack and, and oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I don't know where my staff is. I got to find my staff. Where is my staff? I wonder if he actually named his staff. Maybe he named it like Rod or something like that. I don't know. Thank you for laughing. Um, It's sort of like what I feel when I have my Bible. I've had this Bible for over 20 years. And, and I love this Bible because I know it. I, I know where I've marked it. And, and I know where I've written things that God's spoken to me. And I just, I 
used to sleep with my Bible when I was nervous, when I was scared. When I was in, in junior high, I actually thought aliens were going to come abduct me out of my bedroom. And so I'd sleep with my Bible, and, and it's just so comfortable to me. It, it, it's this object, and this is not by any means an inanimate object, and all of us know that, but, but it was something that is so comfortable to me, and I just, I know how to hold it. I know how to handle my Bible. And as Moses in Exodus chapter 4, he's getting acquainted with his staff. It's so cool to me. It's so fun to watch how, as the reader, I know what Moses doesn't know yet. I know that this staff is going to do so many phenomenal things through the power of God with Moses. And Moses, he doesn't know that yet. It sort of reminds me of the first time you see a lightsaber in Star Wars. And you're like, oh, that's going to do so many cool things. And, and Luke has no clue all the things that are going to happen. But, but Moses, he has this. And what I know that Moses doesn't know is that someday that when the Egyptians are chasing all of God's people, that he'll take that staff in his hand and he'll hold it up over the sea. And as he holds it over the sea, the sea will split in two. And God's people will go and walk through dry land. And then the Egyptians, Pharaoh's people who are following him, will be punished as he lowers the staff. And the ocean comes back together. I know that when the Egyptians are trying to keep the Israelites in Egypt... And Moses takes his staff and he strikes the Nile. And the water in the Nile becomes blood. And this is a crucial thing that happens to free the Israelites from their slavery. I know that when Israel, they're fighting their enemies and Moses holds up his staff. And as long as he holds up his staff, The Israelites are winning the battle, but when he gets tired and his staff starts to lower, the Israelites would start to lose the battle. And so he has to hold his staff up. And there are people that are holding his hands up and holding his staff up with him. And this is such a powerful image of all the things that will happen in the life of Moses that follow and start with this staff that we're introduced to in Exodus chapter 4. And I think we'll see, and what every single one of us need to understand through this story is though, though this, this story starts in the ministry of Moses, it starts with his staff, and he's scared, and he's nervous, and he thinks that, I don't know if I'm fit or I'm equipped to do what God wants me to do, what God wants to tell Moses, and what God, I believe, wants to tell every single one of us today, is that though you might not feel like you have everything that you need, Everything that you need is within your reach. That God has already equipped you with everything that you need to do what he's called you to do. And as Moses, he's having this dialogue with God, and the conversation is continuing, Moses uses one of the biggest faith killer statements that any of us will ever use. And I think most of us have used this before, at least thought this, and it's paralyzed us and it's stopped us from doing what God has wanted us to do. And it's the phrase, what if? In Exodus 4.1, and this is the NIV, it says, but Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, Lord, the Lord has not appeared to you. I think way too many dreams 
way too many plans that God gives us are frozen in time because of this small phrase, these two words, what if? Because it's fear's way of paralyzing you with the what could be. You know, the enemy, he doesn't have to do anything if he can make you think that your fears are your reality. He can just sit back. If you come to a place, and I think a lot of times what happens is we'll think, what if, but instead of it being some hypothetical, it now becomes what our reality is. And it's not true. It's a facade. It's imaginary. It's hypothetical. But we end up thinking this is what's going to happen in these words. What if they paralyze us? I mean, how many times have you not done something, not done what you were supposed to do because of what if? How many times have you waited or postponed what God has called you to do or those plans that you have in your life because what if is holding you back? How many nights have you not been able to sleep because what if won't let you rest? Or how many times have you woken up early in the morning because a what if became your alarm clock? We do this all the time to us, and it's fear's way of paralyzing you with what could be, but somehow it turns into what reality is. And it really isn't what reality is. And and a lot of times, it's not only just a what if, it's a what if they. What if they don't accept me? What if they reject me? What if they laugh at me? What if they don't believe in me? What if they do... All these different things. And on one hand, Moses is living in a hypothetical hypothetical situation where most of us find ourselves, where nothing has happened yet. But on the other hand, this isn't just for Moses hypothetical. It's also somewhat historical. Because 40 years before this, Moses is in the desert because he did something. And when he did that, his people rejected him, so he had to flee. He was defending his people. And and the problem is that Moses, he does the right thing because he sees injustice. And he's trying to protect his brothers and his sisters, but he does it in the wrong way. And I think that's sometimes such a painful thing because we try and do the right thing, but we end up doing it in the wrong way. And when that happens, we never want to take a shot at it again. We never want to attempt it again. We did what we thought was right, but we just did it the wrong way. And so we just walk away from the situation. And so Moses, he's asking this hypothetical question, but it has historical substance. And what Moses is doing here is he is projecting his past into his potential. He's taking his fears and letting them leak into his future. And it's holding him back. I think I'm speaking to a couple of people today Um, about your life and your situation. And um, so God asked this question. What's in your hand? And it's interesting that he asked this question because the staff, it, it was more than just a stick. It was more than just something that he used for the sheep. This staff, it would have represented and reminded him of his failures. Because there's a reason that he, does, he has a staff and he doesn't have a scepter. Now, Moses would never have been Pharaoh, but he would have been in Pharaoh's court. But now he is lording and master over sheep instead of master over people. And so he has a shepherd's staff instead of a scepter. 
And so this would have reminded him time and time again of all of his failures, that where he is is because of what he's done. The reason he rules sheep instead of people is because of his mistakes. And so God takes Moses and he forces Moses to confront his past. Because whenever God speaks to you about your potential, first he'll make you confront your past. Something in your life, and you might be thinking of something right now, and it represents the mistakes you made. God can use that. Just like he used this staff in Moses' life, God can use it to propel you into your future. Because Romans 8.28 says, for, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. God is telling Moses, yeah, you've made mistakes, but everything that you need to do what you're supposed to do, you already have. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with your life and your mistakes and the things that you've done that represent your problems or or where you are or what you see in your life today, You need to know that what you've done does not disqualify you from what God wants you to do. That if you allow God to, just like the staff, it represented what Moses thought was a disqualification to lead people. And all he'd ever do is lead sheep. God uses that staff in his life. For good. And God wants to use whatever is representing your past failures for good. Because we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. God gave you everything you need to raise your kids. God gave you everything you need to get that job and to sustain that job and to flourish in that job. God gave you everything you need to have a healthy marriage, to mend relationships, or to finish well. It's already there. It's already in your hand. So I want every single one of us to leave what you don't have at home today because God says what you need, you already have. It's time to stop focusing on what you don't think you have. And if you had or if you didn't have, then I'd be able to do what I'm supposed to do because God says, no, that's not the way it works. I have given you everything you need and anything in your life I can make work for your future and to bring you to where you're supposed to go. He says, what is in your hand? Now, when I was um, 20 years old uh, in this program in Olympia, where I was an intern at a, ch- at a church, um, I really looked up to one of the pastors. And uh, in the mornings, I would go and meet with him at six o'clock on Sundays to pray. And one Sunday, it was coming to the end of my second year in this program, and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. I wasn't sure where I was supposed to go next. And so this was sort of consuming me. It was spinning my head. I, I just was always thinking about what, what is going to happen next. And so I went to this pastor, and I asked him, I said, can I get some advice? Like, can you help me out here? I just need you to tell me what to do next. And so we started talking, and he said, well, have you read that book that I gave you? And he had given me a book earlier in the year and said, hey, you need to read this book. And I told him, well, no, I haven't gotten around to it yet. I've got a lot of things to do, which I really didn't. I didn't have kids yet. I mean, give me a break. Anyways. Um, but he given me this book. And the reason he gave me that book is because he knew what I would need later on and that this book would help me get to where I needed to go. And so he said, well, read the book and then come talk to me. At least read a couple of chapters. 
I mean, read a little bit of it and then we can start to have a conversation because if you aren't reading what I knew that you were supposed to read, then we can't even have a conversation yet. And I think looking at that story, I think a lot of times God, he, we go into him and we pray and we ask for advice and say, God, I need you to help me out. And I think he wants to go to us and say, have you read my book? Because I gave you this book for the situation that you find yourself in right now. And, and if you would just read the book, um, it's got some good stuff in it. And, and you just want to pray. And the problem is prayer is great and prayer is awesome. But if you just pray all the time, that's not just spiritual. That's just lazy. If you aren't going to what wisdom actually is, he gave us a book. And a lot of times we just want to say, God, just give me the answer. He's giving you the answer right here. And he wants you to search out his scriptures so that you can find that. But so many times we're like, God, just help me out. Just give me my advice. And God says, have you read the book? Don't just pray for wisdom. Because he's already given you wisdom. All the information you need, it's right here. You just have to grab onto it. You just have to hold it. You just have to handle it. Everything that you need, it's right in reach. Everything Moses needed was already within his hand. Everything he needed to accomplish, what he was needed to accomplish was right in front of him. And I don't know about you, but that speaks to me. Because so many times I want to focus on what I don't have. Maybe, maybe not you, maybe, maybe it's just me. But really, it's not even about what you don't have. It's if you know how to handle what you do have. Do you know what, how to handle what God has given you? Because at that time, Moses did not know to handle, how to handle the, the staff that he had. He did not know the potential of the staff that God was telling him, this is what you need because I'm going to use it in your life to do everything that you need to do. If you need proof, there's, I was actually watching a... Um, a uh, documentary on Netflix. It's a, a documentary called 30 for 30. It's an ESPN documentary. And um, there's one, it's called Broke. So if you want to talk about needing to or wanting to handle things, to handle things, you need to know how to handle what you have, not what you don't have. Um, in this documentary, uh, it's called Broke. And it's about all these athletes who make millions and millions of dollars. And then once they retire, they go bankrupt because they don't have any money left. It's not about what you don't have. It's about understanding how to handle what you do have. And I believe that God, as he's telling Moses and he's telling every single one of us, how are you handling it? God wants to say, how are you handling it? Because it's not about who you, that person you married. It's about understanding how to handle the person you married. That the determines if you get the marriage that you want. Now, ingredients are good. <laughs> the, the process is good too. Selection process is important. You need good ingredients in order to make good food. But the truth is there might be someone who can use the same ingredients that you think you need to throw away and they can make something great out of that. Because it's so much more, not about the ingredients, but how you use those ingredients. I mean, our time, so many times we think, oh, I don't have enough time in life. I, I, I remember talking to some 13-year-olds and they're like, oh, I don't have any time. And what I want to say to them, do you have a baby? Because <laughs> if you don't have a baby, you don't know busy. 
If you don't have children, you don't know. Listen, if we could just handle things differently, we would get so much more accomplished. And if we would just handle what God had given us and focus on that and how to handle what God's given us instead of focusing on what he hasn't given us, we would be able to accomplish far more than what we think we could. Whether it's weights in a gym or whether it's everyday life, we keep asking and we keep thinking, God, will you just take this weight off of me? I don't need this in my life, but faith doesn't take weights off of you. It shows you how to handle the weights that are on you. God wants you to learn how to handle it. Not that you just ignore it, not that you run away from it. What did Moses do? It says he fled. It's not about running away from it. It's understanding how to handle what he's given you. The thing about God is that a lot of times the way he has us handle things or the way that he helps us handle things, it looks completely different than the way that we would handle them. In Exodus 3, the chapter before, uh, to the left one, uh, verses 9 and 10, it says, Now therefore, behold, this is God speaking, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that I may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So God is saying, I see what you're going through. I know that things are hard, and I understand that the weight is heavy. And I want you to know that I'm going to handle this because it is too big for you. And that's great. That's a great feeling to know that God sees what you're going through and he wants to walk you through it and handle what you can't handle. The problem for most of us is a lot of times the way that God handles things is a little different than what we're used to. I would even say that God has a funny way of handling things. Now, it's not funny to him because he knows it's perfect. But to me, a lot of times, it's funny because you'll go and need to feed 5,000 people and you'll say, God, I need some help here. I need you to handle this situation. And he'll, go, he'll tell you to go to a little boy, steal his lunch and start passing out five loaves and two fishes. And you'll be like, are you for real? <laughs> or you'll be staring at a wall in front of Jericho and you'll think, how in the world... Am I going to do this? God, I need you to help me. I need you to handle this. And he doesn't give you a wrecking ball. He gives you a trumpet. And you're thinking, this is weird. I don't get how this trumpet is going to do anything for me. Better yet, you will ask for a savior. And you'll start looking to the sky for Thor. And you don't see him come. Because God goes to a little virgin girl. And says, you're going to have a son. And that son will not have prestige. That son will not have money. He will not have power. He will not have anything. He'll be born in a small little town that nobody really knows about. And that boy will become a poor carpenter that will turn the world upside down. God has a different way of handling things than you and I have. And you know, I I think that there's somebody here this morning and God is handling your situation and you don't even know it because the way that you would handle it is completely different than the way God is handling it. And he's handling it different. And I would just say to you this morning, thank God. Thank the Lord that he's handling it his way 
and not your way. Because I don't think any one of us, without the Bible to back us up or to tell us that it is right, would call a Roman cross a victory. God's way of handling things is completely different. And so God is handling your situation that you are thinking about right now. And you don't even know he's handling it. Because you've never seen it handled the way that he's handling it. But he handles it in exactly the right way. For you and for your success. So look what God says. He says in Exodus 4.19. It says, Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go, return to Egypt. For all the men who sought your life are dead. God's saying, I went and I handled it. I handled your past. I handled what was too big for you. But remember, God has his own way of doing things. And God will handle what you can't. But he won't handle what you won't. I love Philippians 4.13 because the context, Paul, he's talking and he says, I deal with things all the time. I can live and deal and handle my life in a little or I can handle my life having a lot. I can live in need or I can live in plenty. I can live in suffering or I can live in happiness. It doesn't matter to me because I know I have God and so I can handle it. And then he says in this very popular verse, um, he says, Christ can do all things through me. Go ahead and put that up. Christ can do all things through me. Is that what it says up there? You see, a lot of times we want to kick back and say, God, I'm just going to let you do this. Jesus, take the wheel. I, 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 I know that you, your ways are not my ways. And so I don't really want to deal with this situation. So Jesus, you take care of it. That's what, that's what I like. I want Jesus to just take care of everything for me. I just want to sit back, maybe eat some popcorn and watch Jesus and his fireworks. But that's not what it says. Listen, God will take care of the things that you cannot take care of. But he will not take care of the things you won't take care of. Because this says, I can do Not Jesus can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It says, I will handle what you can't, but I won't handle what you won't. I will handle your sin because you can't deal with that. I will handle your past because you can't handle that. But what God tells Moses, he says, Moses, pick up your staff. He doesn't say, I'm going to pick it up for you. He says, pick it up. Exodus 4, 3, it says, And the Lord said, Throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and he fled. And Moses did what most of us do when things get intense. When we don't think that we can handle something or we don't want to deal with it, is we run. And you look throughout Moses' life, this isn't the first time he ran. When things got hard before, what did he do? He ran. And so this is a pattern in Moses' life where he's fearful and so he runs. And yes, God handled his past, but God wants to teach his present so he can have his future. And so it says in the next verse, Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses, he takes his staff and he puts it down. And God says, you reach out and you take that thing that you're afraid of. You don't run anymore. And so he reaches out to the snake that he feared. 
and he takes it by the hand and it turns into the thing that he needed. God will take the thing that you fear, the thing that you're running away from, the thing that you don't want to deal with, and he'll tell you to take it by the hand, to trust him. And God was teaching him a very valuable lesson for something that he would need in his future. In Exodus 4.20, it says, Then Moses took his wife and his sons and went on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. In Exodus 7.15, it says, God says, Go to Pharaoh in the morning. When he goes out to the water, you shall stand by the river's bank and meet him. And the rod, which, you turned, which was turned into a serpent, you shall take in your hand. See a, a trend going on here. Exodus fourteen sixteen. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry, land, on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Exodus seventeen five. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand the rod which you struck the river and go. So time after time, God takes what Moses was fearful of. And he says, take it by the hand. Take it by your hand. Take what you fear by the hand. And time after time, as Moses, he obeys God. It propels him into his future. And the one time where Moses tries to do things on his own is the one time that stops him from going to his future. Because what Moses, what God says is speak to a rock. And what does Moses do? He strikes the rock. So many times we'll trust the Lord, but then we'll start getting way too confident. And we'll think, I can do this on my own. I can handle it my way. And as soon as Moses starts trying to handle it his way, it didn't work. God says, take it by the hand. And it's very interesting because if you look at Moses and you look at the snake in Exodus 4, 4, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And James, if you could come up, um, it says, take it, um, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched any um, show about snakes. My son watches YouTube shows all the time on snakes. When you grab a snake... Yes, you might pull up the tail so that you can take it, but you don't take a snake by the tail. Because in the physical, if you grab a snake by the tail, it will whip around and bite you. Thanks a lot, God. <laughs> take the snake by the tail. In the physical, that doesn't make any sense. Why in the world would you take the snake by the tail? Because you're supposed to take the snake by the head. Because when you have the snake by the head, you can control it. But that's not the lesson that God wants to teach to Moses. And I believe it's not the lesson that he wants to teach to you and me. Because so many times in our lives, we will try and take something by the head because we want to control a situation and we want to deal with it and we want to do it our way because we think that we know what's best. But remember, God has a different way of doing things. He has a perfect way and it might not be your way and it might not seem like the best way, but I promise you it always is. God tells Moses to take the snake by the tail. And Moses is looking. 
And listen, you can look at the snake. You can look at the thing that you fear time and time again. And it is not going to change in the thing to the thing that you need until you do it in the way that God has called you to do it. You can look at it. You can think about it. You can run from it. It's going to stay a snake until you do it God's way. God says, take the snake by the tail. God says, trust in me. Believe in the way that I do things. Do things not in the physical. Do things in the spiritual. Trust in the way that I want you to do things. Take it by the tail. Don't try and control it. Let me control it. So Moses looks down. And I wonder if he got really close. Is it going to change? How many times do we do that, right? Is it going to change, God? If, if this person will just um, say they're sorry, I'll forgive them. God, if, um, if you want me to have this job, then just um, make it start raining in three flashes of lightning. Ah, it didn't happen. Still snake. I, I can't touch that snake. Because I'm afraid of that snake. Because I ran from that snake. I don't believe. I need, to, I need to see that snake turn into a staff before I use it. And God is saying, you need to believe in the way I want to do things. And not the way that you want to do things. So Moses, it doesn't turn into the staff that he needed for his future. Until he grabbed it. Until he trusted until he did the things the way that God wanted him to. God wants to speak to you this morning and tell you to trust him in the physical so that he can do the work in the spiritual. But it will only change when you handle it. When you trust in him. When you believe in his way and not your own. Would you stand with me this morning as we close service? Have you ever wondered what what would have happened if Moses just kept running? What would have happened if he never turned back, if he never trusted in God enough to do things the way that God said to do them? He would have never seen God's people freed. Somebody else might have, but Moses wouldn't have. He would have never seen the sea split in two. He would have never seen the power of God being used in his life. But because he trusted in God, because he believed in the way that God did things, he saw miracles that he could have never imagined. And I believe that in your life that God wants you to trust him so that you can see things happen in your life that you can never even imagine. And you have a decision to make this morning. Am I going to trust in the way that looks right to me? Am I going to look and think like the disciples thought? We need to take our land back by force against the Romans? Or am I going to trust in the way that God does things through a Roman cross where the Savior died and conquered sin and death? You can look at the snake all day long. You can pray about the snake all day long. You can hope. You can talk about it. But until you grab it, until you believe, it won't turn into the thing that you need to propel you into your future.